Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Live from the Hill, our very own Jamie Dupree with the latest news from D.C. All right, he's our man on the ground this election season, the most connected man in Washington, D.C. I don't even have a clue where he is today, but that's the, the beauty and joy of of following Jamie Dupree. We ought to put, like, where's Matt Lauer? Where's yeah. Jamie Dupree? We ought to put Listen, it up on Hannity.com. I was Where with a buddy of mine. We were just walking to get something to eat a little while ago, and uh, we were talking about how similar the debate uh, filing centers are. I'm in Houston for the GOP debate, and literally we came around the corner, and I thought, where am I? And I remembered what I'd had for breakfast, and that was the Texas-shaped waffle in my hotel <laughs> that they made. So yeah. that was the, the clue to me as to where I was. So we're here for the debate. Uh, obviously, tonight this is the smallest one that we've had for the Republicans for the main field with now Jeb Bush being gone. We're down to five. We had six for that last debate. You know, uh, something that I'm reminded of, remember how everybody said, oh, when the field gets smaller, Donald Trump will never get over like 35 percent. Then he went and got 46 in Nevada. And everybody said, well, when the field gets smaller, that'll trip up Trump because there'll be more time in the debate. They'll have to get into details and he'll never be able to deal with that. Well, he seemed to deal with it pretty well in the last debate when there was only a half dozen. Now Jeb Bush is gone. So there will be, frankly, more time either tonight to delve deeper into what the candidates want to do or, as I like to say, more deeply into throwing elbows at each other. You know, that was the thing about the last debate, Sean. Remember, uh, in South Carolina was how aggressive that Donald Trump was on that Saturday night in going after Ted Cruz. And it really sort of uh, foreshadowed what he was going to do over the next two weeks to Cruz and, and how effective it was. So I, I sort of think that uh, there'll be some elbows and some arrows for Trump tonight. And certainly I don't think he'll be shy about responding, especially if it comes from Cruz. Now, Rubio and Trump have never crossed swords as yet in a debate. Maybe that will happen. Oh, tonight. it's coming tonight. Uh, and th this is how I think if you're not Trump, I think you're you're acting tonight as if this is your last stand. I mean, and, and it's not necessarily the last stand for everybody, but he's leading in so many of these Super Tuesday states. And and Marco has a bigger problem, too, because he's way behind Donald Trump in the latest Florida poll um, where, you know, where Donald Trump's in the 40s and Ted Cruz is uh, uh, where Marco Rubio's in the 20s and Trump is in the 40s. So I think he's got a big problem. I think it's going to be very hard for any of these candidates to make a case that they have a right to stay in this race if they can't win their home state. Well, but, except that Rubio will have two more debates before his home state votes. I mean, Correct. frankly, I, I could almost see we have debates in the next three Thursday nights, including tonight. Uh, the next one is next week in Detroit, then the week uh, after that in Miami. So there's more debates. So there's more time there. I, I don't get know what about you're you. Saying. I'm getting sick of these debates. You're getting oh, I am sick too. of these debates. I, I'm not only sick of the debates, I'm sick of the town halls on TV and more. Uh, I, I get so frustrated coming to these and waiting all day for the action. I love covering events and interviewing people and seeing the candidates on the stump. I just think it's so the, much the better. But I get it. The debate, it's their money makers. I the get problem it. with the debate format to me, and, and we're getting a little off course here, but I think it's valuable to talk about, is that it's it's all the gotcha. It's, sure it is. You know, in some cases, it's too much. Like, look at the CNBC debate, and it was all about the moderators, and it had nothing to do with the candidates in the race. And there's nothing, I think, that we're going to hear tonight that we haven't heard. What I like better is, like, for example, we did Trump on Monday night for the hour, and I'm doing Cruz tomorrow night for the hour. What I like about those sit downs is, you know what, I'm throwing out questions and I'm not getting 30 second, one minute answers. I'm actually, you get to see the thought process of the candidates and see what makes them tick. And it's kind of like because I've they've gotten to know me and they know that I'm not the guy that's out there trying to, you know, hit them in 1972. You said this, you hypocrite, you know, they they kind of 
I, I think they open up more and you get more detail and I think you get to really know the person better. And that look, if I like the other format, I would do it other people's way. But I feel you get the most sure. out of them by asking a question, letting them answer. And then if there's a follow up, do your follow up. Well, I thought yesterday uh, I, I covered both Cruz in Houston and Rubio in Houston. Just a quick sort of update from the road for our listeners on what it felt like and what I sensed from it. First, Cruz, to me, was making it very clear that this state, Texas, is his not only his home state, but his last stand. In it's a the sense. Alamo. Yeah. yeah, he was talking about the Alamo and stuff like that, and I expect to hear more of that. And then you look at his schedule, and Monday he is spending a full day here with events in Texas, the day before Super Tuesday. So that tells me everything I need to know. I often say that the schedule tells a story, and in that instance it certainly does, because if he's going to be here for three events on Monday in his home state, you can either read it that he's playing defense or that he's trying to make sure that he locks this one down and he gets at least one win on Tuesday. Now, the other thing was that Rubio, I thought Rubio had a pretty good event for probably not having been here very much in Texas. I do think there's room for growth for Rubio with just like what we saw in Nevada and in South Carolina, where a lot of people who decided late moved to Rubio. One problem for him, I think, is the early voting. A lot of people have already voted, so that might not help him out overall. Uh, and, and then again, we get into the Byzantine delegate rules. And in some states, like in Oklahoma, I was rereading it today. If, if all, if three different candidates get over 20%, which seems pretty likely in Oklahoma in the congressional districts, each, each one of them gets one delegate. Even though one person might have gotten 49%, another gets only 17 and, or, or 20 and 21. The way the rules are, are going to create a lot of headaches for delegates. And I think it will influence how everybody decides to go out and stump for votes in these last few days. Marco said yesterday, you don't win the nomination by how many states you win. And there's some truth to that. <laughs> there is but truth to that. But you, I get, you gotta I get win what some he's states. saying. Yeah. yeah and, but you got to get some states. I understand what they're going to say. And I get that, that they're going to tell me the delegate math is complicated. Uh, the problem for for Rubio and Cruz next Wednesday morning and Tuesday night will be, you know, Trump wins eight states or seven states or whatever. Uh, you can talk about the delegate math all you want, and they will. Look, I don't expect Rubio to get out before Florida. I think he wants to have his chance, and I get that. Kasich, Kasich might be a bit more difficult only because uh, he may really not do well on Super Tuesday. I think that'll be very close to watch because there's a number of states with high thresholds for how much you need to get in order to get delegates, and uh, it might be a little tricky for him to do that in some states. We got a little insight into Donald Trump if he wins this race. There's a political scientist at a Stony Brook University helping Helmet Norpoth, who put out a report that he thinks it's between 97 and 99 percent that Trump becomes the president. I think it's a little too early myself to go that far. But anyway, he put that out there. But Trump was answering a question at Regent University yesterday, and he kind of dropped a few hints what he's looking for in a vice president. He said he would want somebody who, who could help him with government. So m most likely that would be a political person. Yeah. And he said the main quality he would look for in a vice president would be somebody who would be a great president should anything happen to him. So well, I think we're I think I would fully expect for him to pick somebody like, for example, a Governor Kasich, you know, somebody like that who's been around who might not fit the mold of sort of outsider or something like that. You know, it's I sort of look back and think that's that's sort of what Barack Obama did with picking Joe Biden was he wanted somebody who had been around and had experience. Now, you know, you could argue with Trump that, wait a second, why would you want to pick somebody with experience, Mr. Trump? Wouldn't you want to just get somebody who is an outsider like you? But I bet uh, he, he would hedge his bets if he got to that point. If I had to bet, my, I'd say it's Kasich and Rubio, the top two. Yeah, I would agree. And that's why, I mean, listen, Rubio and Trump have not really gone at each other. Now, Trump did give Kasich the back of the hand in a couple of debates early on when Kasich went after him. But he has eased up on him. 
a great deal since then. We'll see what happens. I don't expect Kasich to go after Trump tonight. I'd expect Kasich again to stress that he's sort of the anti-Trump, but not in a negative way, and then to stress his experience in government beforehand. No, I think you're going to see three fights tonight. I think you're going to see Trump versus Cruz or Cruz versus Trump, Rubio versus Trump and Rubio versus Cruz. I think that's where the three fights are going to be. And I think yeah, you're exactly I right about think John it's a waste. Of, it's a waste of time, I think, for Cruz and Rubio to go after each other, really. I, I understand why they're doing it. Yesterday at his event, Cruz labeled Trump P.T. Barnum and said it's time for the circus to end as he it basically went into the same kind of argument about how Trump is not a trusted real conservative. And then he also threw a few elbows at Rubio as Cruz kept making the argument, well, historically, if you don't win one of the first three states, you don't win the GOP nomination, so that eliminates Rubio. And, you know, you fully understand what Rubio and Cruz and Kasich are trying to do. They're trying to elbow somebody else out of the way. But like I said, I I don't really think either of them is going, at least not right now. Yeah. Uh, So where's Hillary in all this? There's a report out today that the Clintons are now scared to death that Donald Trump, they may actually get the person they want, Donald Trump, but now it scares the hell out of them. Listen, it's like uh, talking to, uh, you know, my friends back in D.C. who are just, uh, they're horrified to learn when I tell them that I I don't think you should rule out Donald Trump not only being the nominee, but winning in November. I just think a lot of people have, uh, you know, they get stuck in the big cities, uh, whether it's in the east or the west, and they don't really get out into sort of just the the ex-urban areas or the rural areas or the red states. And they don't understand the anger that that Trump has been able to tap into out there and tap into very well. In fact, the think about it, Cruz has got to just be furious at this point that Trump has taken away that outsider kind of lane from him. I mean, that was going to be what Ted Cruz was all about. But Trump has been able to co-opt that from Cruz. He's been able to co-opt that from the Tea Party. I mean, the Tea Party that was all about issues. Now it's like most of them are just sort of signed on board with Trump because they think he's the best opportunity to, quote unquote, change things, how that's going to be done is sort of undetermined. But I think the Democrats would really be wrong to just sort of say, oh, this is excellent. We got Trump coming our way. This will be easy to win. Because I look at it, everybody told me Trump would never survive in the debates. He survived and prospered. Everybody told me that Trump would never, ever be able to win a state. He's won states. He's won them big. And everybody told me that Trump would never, ever be able to win the nomination. Well, he could well do that. So why can't he win in November? I know all kinds of people say, well, I'm not going to vote for him. I'm a conservative. I'm not going to do that. If it's Trump versus Hillary Clinton, really, are there a lot of conservatives that are going to say, I'll just sit on sit this one out and see what happens? I find that hard to believe, Sean. Well, you got to say timing has worked for him. Remember before the last debate, it was the whole brouhaha with the Pope that had come up. <laughs> now we've got China weighing in on the presidential election, sending a warning that if Trump wins, the U.S. better not adopt punitive currency policies, uh, which I think was a direct shot at Trump. And uh, so I think the timing for him is pretty good. I think you're also going to hear a lot tonight about when are you going to release your taxes? Yeah. What do you think about that Mitt Romney jab uh, the last couple of days? Uh, You know, I'm watching it and I'm thinking uh, you didn't like it when it was happening to you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Uh, You know, I actually don't think here's my prediction. I doubt Trump is ever going to release it. I think what he'll do is he'll get like an outside accounting agency and they'll say how much he's paid in taxes over the last 10 years. And uh, they'll say how much he's given a charity over the last 10 years. And if that's not enough information for you too bad and you know what i think the uh, american people will do i think they'll give a big yawn and not care yeah here's the thing as a reporter on the tax return story i always chuckle about it because it's always made into a big thing doesn't matter whether it's a big race or a local race or a race for governor or whatever you know 
uh, so-and-so is refusing to release his tax returns or won't say he's going to do it. And then when they finally get released, uh, most reporters don't want to then spend the hours and hours needed to go through that pile of paper and are very happy when the AP puts out the story about well, it. it's not so like that, the guy has a 1040EZ form. I <laughs> no, mean, he certainly you know, doesn't. It would be, I'm sure there'd be a lot of interesting things. I, I did have to chuckle when Mitt Romney said there would be a bomb in there, like uh, sort of like when Harry Reid said that there, you know, that yeah. uh, there was information in there on myths. Yes. Yeah, I think that was a play, but I don't think, again, this is a different election year and a different different time and a different session here. Um, what do you make of all of these articles out today? The, the Washington Post editorial board, GOP leaders, you must do everything in your power to stop Trump. Dan Ball's writing, can Donald Trump be stopped? Rove saying, time's running out to stop Trump. Well, I think uh, Republican those are true. race Republican race puts Donald Trump and Paul Ryan on a collision course. Oh, well, I called it, what did I call it yesterday? A shotgun marriage, and I totally believe it would be that, uh, because I'm sure there would be some ways they could work together, but in others it would not be the preferred candidate of the GOP. But I think uh, the, the lack of response from the Republican Party writ large against Trump has been interesting. I mean, still... Here we are right before Super Tuesday, and there are hardly any negative ads on the air against Trump. What's going on with that? Why? Uh, I mean, why is that? It, it, there should be each candidate should be running negative ads against Trump. That's not happening. I, you know, I don't understand why that is other than they must think that it's not working and it's not going to work, which then raises the question. Well, if the Republicans can't go negative on him, then why would the Democrats be successful in going negative on him either? All right. So I think you're joining us tomorrow for a special report post debate report yes. in case you haven't heard yet uh so we'll uh we'll get that from you are you going to actually be in the room or are you going to be in the media room no we'll be in the media center you know we're never allowed to go over in there so we'll watch it on tv like everybody right, so, else uh, that, that is so annoying that they do that to you guys it really is whatever that's fine. i'm actually going to be next week i won't be at the debate because i'm going to be at cpac i'm giving a speech that night and then i'll be on doing my show from cpac so uh i don't think i'll see you at that debate either I, otherwise i'd get you backstage wherever you wanted to be because I have credentials, you know. Yeah, no, it's uh, I like to watch it on TV only because I like to see how the, the voter is seeing it rather than being in the room. Of course, if yeah. I was king, I would not allow an audience anyway and we just have a debate with nobody in the room, but that's a whole different story. Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington, our, our man on the ground around the country. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, you uh, being with us.